going to uh, first eight verses. We've got seven points we've been looking at in the first three verses. Okay, but uh, I got off on a rabbit's trail, and I will be chasing rabbits uh, this Sunday and next. So uh, I will hopefully clear up a lot of things that I believe that we have kind of... Uh, Mm, has been misused over the millennia. Let's pray. Father, help us to have ears to hear. And Father, may your word jump forth to us this day. May we be in awe. And yet, Father, as we look at this, let each of us individually evaluate our own hearts. Father, Even as you tell us, you love a happy, cheerful giver. Father, may we understand and see how an awesome God truly works. To your praise, to your glory. Amen. Verse 1, chapter 8. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation and the support of the saints. And this not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had previously made a beginning, so he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. But just as you abounded everything in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and in all earnestness, and in love, We inspired in you, see that you abound in this gracious work also. I'm not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others, the sincerity of your love. The Apostle Paul uses the Macedonian church as an illustration, as a model of giving. And we've gone through all of this, um, that it, it was by God's grace It wasn't that the churches in Macedonia were mega churches, well-to-do churches. He talks about how poor they were. And if you do a history study of that time, you will see that it was extraordinarily poor. But it was because of God's grace, their embracing of God's grace, their standing in God's grace, them being overwhelmed by God's grace, that they gave sacrificially, that they gave generously. When that picture has been received by an individual, what God has given you. Okay, and I'm talking way beyond your salvation. You think about what God in every single one of us in this room, what has God given you? Then all of a sudden, when you sing Amazing Grace, it just seems, I don't have a word bigger than amazing. I do, but people, it just doesn't flow. Phantasmagorical? It just, it ain't fitting. All right, but anyway. 
that's the kind of stuff that when you start realizing God's grace as an individual, then your circumstances of your giving are irrelevant. Okay? But they gave with joy. And and I, I posed the questions a few weeks ago. When you come to church, what's the thing you most eagerly are looking forward to? And how many Christians do you believe would say giving? Does that bring you the greatest joy? It did the Macedonians. It did the Macedonians. And it was not stopped by their poverty. Because of God's grace and the joy of being involved in the eternal things, their poverty played no point into it. And they gave sacrificially, as I shared with you, one commentator that I wrote said they were stealing from themselves. Okay? Their giving was generous. It was above and beyond. It was above and beyond. It was sacrificial. It was generous. Even in their poverty. It was sacrificial. The second part, uh, first part of three there. According to their ability. It was beyond their ability. And they gave of their own accord. It was voluntary. Okay. Then I left you last week with a question. There are two kinds of giving that are through God's plan. Okay. There's required giving. And then there's free giving, voluntary giving. And I have watched the church over years, and it's, it's kind of amazing to me. Um, I, I hear of stewardship drives. I, I hear of, you know, how to raise money. We have conferences on, you know, how to raise money for quote-unquote projects. And, and I see all of this stuff. And uh, it's annoying to me. All right. Um, How does the church come up with its idea of giving? Most Christians today, if you ask them, what are you supposed to give? What is your required giving? They will tell you the tithe. 10%. Okay. Where do we get that idea? You know what they'll tell you? What's throughout the Bible? Really? Is it? I'm going to look at it from two perspectives. One before Moses. And one from Moses to Jesus. Okay. And I'll let you conclude what it is. Because they will tell you, it's very clear. It started early. You give a tenth. Okay? Well, to go before Moses is really easy. Alright? Moses wrote Exodus. How many books are there before Exodus? One. That would be the book that would be before the law. All right? And what you will see in the book of Genesis is you see in the Macedonians. All right? 
There are no percents. There are no amounts. And they gave when they wanted to. And they gave what they wanted to. But I've been trying to get across to you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray, that giving is from the heart. I showed you months ago that Jesus said, what you do with your money is a barometer of your spiritual condition. Okay? And we all smile. It's all God's. Really? Can you really say that? You may intellectually say that. But I bet prying it out of your pocket would be a little tougher than, it's all God's. They gave out of their hearts. You know what? I was reading some of this and I couldn't even find a stewardship drive before Exodus. Okay. What was giving like before the law? How did it work? How were offerings made to God? And they will always roll it out to you. Go ask them. Two men gave the tithe, Abram's and Jacob. And that's the standard. And it's permanent. Well, brothers and sisters, I highly suggest that we take a closer look at the book of Genesis. All right? If you look at the Hebrew word for tithe, okay, it never, now hear me close, the Hebrew word for tithe never refers to a required offering. Never. You can even chase that one down in the books of Moses. You won't find it. The word tithe just means 10%. The tithe is not God-ordained. The tithe is not God-commanded. The tithe is not God-required. It's a voluntary offering. The tithes of Abram's and Jacob... We're voluntary. We're voluntary. They were not demanded by God, and they never were before the Mosaic Law. Now then, you've got to go back in history a little bit, because you will find out that the tithe is not limited to the Bible. The giving of a tenth to a deity was common in all pagan worship, even today. And it was based on, on a simple fact. And I found this fascinating. And it doesn't matter the religion. It's pagan. You know what it's based on? It's a fascinating. How many toes you got? How many fingers you got? They looked at that as the completeness. So when you gave a tenth... It was a complete devotion. 
That's what the tithe was based on. The ten symbolized total completion. It was very common throughout the pagan world. Still is today. Give a tenth. It is symbolic of giving everything. I have surrendered all. It is complete. But you know what? I went through Genesis 4, 8, 12, 14, and 28 chapters. And God didn't command a tenth in Genesis. Okay? So let's look at the first offering. Genesis 4. Genesis 4. You know this. The man, Adam, had relations with his wife Eve, conceived and gave birth to Cain, and she said, I have gotten a man-child. Again, she gave birth to his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of flocks, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. Cain and Abel. Okay? Sons of Adam and Eve. All right? Now, I want to show something. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Okay, is that a command? Did God say, bring me an offering? How much was he supposed to bring? Was it a percentage? Hmm. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and their fat portion. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. He rejected Cain's, accepted Abel's. Why? Goes back a few years. The shedding of innocent blood to clothe Adam and Eve. That's why God received the animal offering and did not receive the fruit of the ground offering. He was a worker of his own hands. He would take credit for it. God had revealed that it was a sacrifice of an animal. But there is no revelation of how often or what percent of the animals were to be given. How many times did Cain and Abel offer up a sacrifice to God? Once. We have no other record. We have no other record. The two had decided to bring an offering to God, and it was voluntary. Voluntary. And Cain brought an unacceptable offering. Abel brought an animal, and he was shedding innocent blood as an offering unto God. There is no percentage. It is not money, nor how often are we to do it. Okay? They did What was in their hearts? Okay? Was not related to any percentile. Alright? So that's the first one. The next record that we have comes in Genesis 8. Verse 20. Noah built an altar to the Lord and took every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Okay? The waters have receded. 
the ark has landed and Noah comes out and builds an altar. And the first thing is to offer an offering unto God. Did God commanding? Why did he do this? I can tell you why. I'm out of the boat. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. All right. It was Thanksgiving. Thank you. You have flooded the world. We have survived. You have brought us through the storm. You have brought us through the water. And I thank you, God. And he offers an offering and it is based on his heart. He made an offering to God completely voluntary because of God's grace. There's no command. There's no tenth. It was spontaneous. It was voluntary. And it is an action of Noah's heart. Okay. Go over chapter 12. Genesis. Verse 7. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. Alright? So what did Abram's response? He built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. It is a response to God's calling. He was overwhelmed, he was thankful, and he built an altar. And when you build an altar, you only build an altar for one reason. To make an offering. Out of the joy of his heart, the thrill of being called by creator of existence, that gratitude so overwhelmed him, his heart flooded forward and he made an offering. He offers to the Lord. There is no command. There is no amount. He hasn't required anything. He freely responds to the Lord and he gives God an offering. Why? Because he's overwhelmed by what God has done. Okay? Cruise on over. Chapter 13. Abram moved his tent and he came to dwell by the oaks of Maru which are in Hebron. And there he built what? An altar. He made an offering to God for calling him and getting the promise of descendants. He made an offering again when he brought him into Hebron. Again, did God tell him to do it? Did God tell him how much? Did God tell him what percent? No, it was voluntarily from the heart. All right. Now then, go over to chapter 14 of Genesis. We're still dealing with Abram. And this is the first time in Holy Scripture that you will find the word tithe. Okay. Verse 18, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was the priest of the most high God. He blessed him 
and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, who delivered your enemies into your hand. He gave him a tenth of all. There you have it. The first tithe. Okay, now let me give you the history of what's going on here. Abram has just gone to war with five kings. All right? That's a little bit outnumbered. Okay? You fight five kingdoms, you got five allies against you. And he defeats the five kings. All right? He won. Not only did he have the victory, but he also got to take the spoils of the five treasuries. Okay, he understood, Abram understood that it was him and his people against five kingdoms and he defeated them. And the only way that happens is God doing it. And so he's cruising back thinking the most high God who called me and said, I will have descendants. The most high God who moved me to Hebron, the most high God has now given me victory over these five kings. And the most high God has me cruising along this peak where city of Salem is. And city of Salem was unique. In all of creation at that time. Because the city of Salem had a king priest. The only place on the planet that had one. The city of Salem, you know. It's called the city of peace. Jerusalem. And it just so happens that the the king priest comes out and he happens to be a priest of who? Most high God who had called Abram and had given Abram a victory and had promised Abram people, a nation. On the way home, this victorious Abram, by the power of God, runs into this interesting man who is the king priest of Salem, the city of Jerusalem. Abraham was given the victory by the Most High God and he runs into this man and he is a priest of the Most High God and that Most High God is who Abram's worshipped. It is the one who called Abram's from Ur of the Chaldeans and the Most High God had promised him the people would be as the sands and the stars. So indebted to this God, the Most High God, For this promise and victory over five kings, he's overjoyed, he is blessed, he meets the priest of the Most High God. So, what does he do? He makes an offering of thanks to God through the priest of the Most High God. This man blessed him. Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God. Blessed be the Most High God. God blessed him by calling him. God blessed him by moving him. God blessed him by his victory. Now he blesses back through this king priest of the Most High God. 
And Abraham's response, Abram's response is that he gave tithes of all of the spoils of the five treasuries of those he defeated. He decides that it's time to thank God. So he tied. And this is the first mention. Okay. Here was God's representative, this priest. And he wanted to express his thanks to the Most High God for the victory. And he did it through the Most High God's priest. And he gave a tenth of the spoils of his victory. Now listen, there's no command here. Okay. And as it's recorded, it's spontaneous. Now then, Abraham lived to be 160 years old. This is the only record of the only time he ever gave a tithe. Once in 160 years of life. He didn't do it every week. He didn't do it once a month. He didn't do it once a year. It's only recorded here. By the way, if you look at verse 20. He didn't tithe everything he owned. He only tithed. What were the spoils of the treasuries of the five kings that he conquered? Okay. Actually, if you go to the letter of Hebrews in the New Testament, there's a commentary on this in chapter 7, verse 4. It says he gave a tenth of the spoils. In the Greek, it means he gave a tenth of the top of the heap. Okay. So he didn't give him everything, but he did give him the best because the best would be on the top. The premier spoils of victory from the five separate kingdoms. Tenth of the best represents what? A total commitment. Again, this is offered from his heart. It's voluntary. It was one time. There's no record that he ever did it again. Why? He was motivated by his Heart. That's why Jesus says so many times in the New Testament, it is by that standard you can check your spiritual condition. Why? That's what your heart is doing. It's not a divine command. It was very common among the ancients. And it showed complete devotion. Okay? So when Abram did this, We have nothing in Scripture that tells us God required it. They have nothing in there that says it was ordained, that it was commanded, and it had to be a certain amount. You don't see it. It's not there. Okay, now, there is another time of a tithe. And I'm not really sure any of us would want to model it. Though some would, they just won't do it as vocally as Mr. Jacob. It comes in the 28th chapter of Genesis. Verse 20. Jacob made a vow. Okay. Did I tell you that Jacob was kind of in a spiritual low place? 
You'll see what I mean. Jacob made a vow. Isn't that good? He made a vow before God. Here's Jacob's vow. If God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take and will give me food to eat and garments to wear and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. What a deal, Jacob. And this stone, which I have set up as a pillar, will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. I'm not really sure that's the illustration of giving a tithe I really want to follow. I mean, (laughs) nothing personal, but I'm thinking, really? Okay. He makes a vow to God. And I, I just look at this and say, gosh, Jacob is so gracious. I think of Job saying, though he slay me, I will trust him. How do we honor God? Well, give me the winning lotto numbers and I'll give you a tenth. What a deal, God. Jacob was not really trusting in God. Actually, if, if, if you wanted to use the pure vernacular here, he is bribing God. He's trying to buy a favor. I'll put up a little pile of rocks right here. And this will be your house. And everything you ever give me, I'll bring a tenth and put it right there in that pile of rocks. That's what the pagans did. If God does what I think he should, I'll give him a tenth. You know what? It goes back to what I'm trying to get across about giving. It's the motives of the heart. It's the motives of the heart. And I got to give Jacob credit. That is a sincere motive. Let me summarize this. Before the writings of Moses, two tithes. Did you get what I just said there? That's a little bit of span of time. Two tithes. Both tithes are voluntary. As were the rest of the offerings. So it is going to be tough to get a case pre-Moses that the tithe is the norm. All right? There is no law, and you just can't make that fit. Okay? But I want to share with you something else. Before Moses, there was required giving. Huh. How about that, huh? How about Genesis 41? Genesis 41. Joseph has been sold into slavery by his jealous brothers. He's gone through uh, several little scenarios and now he ends up in Pharaoh's house. And he has this uncanny ability to interpret dreams. So he's in Egypt. Okay. 
and he interprets a dream of Pharaoh. And the dream is basically there will be seven years of fruit, good blessings. Then there will be seven years of famine. Okay. Here's what happens. Let Pharaoh take action to appoint overseers in charge of the land and let him exact a fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven years of abundance. You know what that is right there? Overseers for the funding of the government. A fifth of the abundance by every man, woman, and child of seven years. And then they are to protect it and store it so that the government will be able to feed the people for the seven years of famine. Okay, if you take that into fifths, you know what that is? 20%. Wouldn't you like to see 20% tax? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) What a deal. This is your first income tax. This is your first IRS agents. And guess who introduced it? God. God did it. God did it. God introduced it and it was to support a nation. And the nation wasn't Israel. It was Egypt. Chapter 47, verse 24. 47, 24. At the harvest you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh, and four-fifths shall be your own for seed of the field, for your food, and for those of your household, and as food for your little ones. Four-fifths is yours. Or 80%. 20% goes to the government. That's the original tax base. And it's required giving biblically. See, everybody's cheerful about that all of a sudden. Yeah, all right, income tax. God said, Yahoo. And it was to fund the national government. I hear people complain about funding our government. Try Egypt. It was free will giving was directed to the Lord. Voluntary giving, spontaneous giving was directed to the Lord. Required giving was directed to the government. See, I'm going to close with this, but I want you to think about it. God doesn't command you to give. It should be purely an offering of the heart. God ain't holding the gun to our heads. Give a tenth. No. 
It shows your heart. Shows your heart. Ananias and Sapphira was struck down in church. Why? Their heart thought they could lie to the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't a matter of they didn't give it all. What was the matter? They lied about giving it all. They could have said, no, we decided we'd hang on to four-fifths and we'd give you a fifth. But at least your heart's there. When you think about giving in the body of Christ, what do you think? The required giving is toward government. Required is what you and I classify as taxation. We support the national government. Those that do whatever it is they're doing over us right now. I mean, in Egypt, Egypt was the strongest military on the planet. They were protecting their people. And building cool houses. Alright? But that's what they did. Okay, now listen. What I just showed you was the giving before Moses. Alright? Next week, I want to show you what giving looks like between Moses and Christ. Because when you get a handle on this, there's a lot that comes back to life. Okay, Jesus makes a statement. Whose picture's on that coin? Render unto Caesars that that is Caesars. See why? Who puts in place the governments? God does. And whatever their level of taxation is, that caught God off. Guard? Oh, I didn't know they were going to raise your taxes that high. No. And you give to God as your heart moves. So next week, Moses to Jesus, we see what is required and what is given freely. Okay? Let's pray. Father, to your glory and praise, I thank you. That, Father, you really make it simple. And, uh, Father, I just pray that we listen, that we cherish it. And that, Father, as we look at it, that we all of a sudden now see a new freedom in our giving. And as the Macedonians could give with an abundance of joy, that, Father, our hearts would be so overwhelmed by what you have given us that we would give in an abundance of joy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your holy book. Thank you for your spirit and your people. And Father, thank you for your precious bride to your son, your church. And Father, may we be overwhelmed at just those privileges that we give freely with joy and even sometimes at much affliction, to your praise and to your glory. Amen.